Welcome to episode 15 of the Let's Get Down to Business podcast. I'm your host today, Charlotte Newman, and today is the final episode in our 12 Vital Ingredients series. I therefore want to briefly summarize what we've learned over the last few weeks and talk to you about all about systems, systems, systems. We feel that the key to success overarching all of these key areas we have been discussing is having good systems in place. So to help us chat through this in more detail as someone who's actually built his business on systems and therefore seen 26 years of consecutive growth, I am therefore joined today by Malcolm Palmer, Managing Partner of A4G. Hi Malcolm, how are you? Yeah, I'm very good. So as I briefly mentioned in the introduction, you know, having good systems in place, Malcolm, it's just vital. We've talked about it over the last couple of weeks and whether that be from a detailed sales and marketing strategy, right through to writing down what a business owner does on a daily basis, systems are, well, they're like the backbone of many businesses' success and most importantly, growth. So without them, I think we find that business owners struggle to delegate. They struggle to make the business less dependent on them. They, you know, they struggle to manage the success as the business grows, allowing them to stay on top of their decision making. And as we know, a good system shortens the road to the goal. You know, every business has systems, however small they may be. And even we as people have systems for making whatever activity it is we're doing as efficient as possible. You know, like a, a fun example I use is if you take the cutlery holder from the dishwasher to the cutlery drawer, that saves you going back and forth, saves you time. So with that sort of thing in mind, Malcolm, why would you say it is vital that business owners keep documented systems detailing their best practice? Yeah, well, the point is, as you say, you know, every every person has systems for the way that they live their life. Um, and, you know, and businesses have systems as well. But the problem is that in most businesses, the systems are in people's heads. And, um, you know, that's that's fine when there's only one of you. Um, you know, if you're just a one man band, one woman band doing whatever it is that you do, you know, your system is your system. But as soon as you get more than one person into the organization, then the system that you have in your head um, has got to be communicated to another person. And they may misunderstand what it is that you've shown them um, or, you know, or they may forget some of what they've um, what you've shown them you know they may forget some of that over time and you know and you can get a situation where everybody thinks they know what the system is for a particular issue but actually all the people involved have a slightly different understanding about that system and about you know who does what and how something is done and that's when things start to go wrong so the critical reason for writing down a system is that it it removes misunderstandings now some of those misunderstandings can be um you know just that the, there was no deliberate um attempt in there it was just somebody just misunderstood or misremembered or whatever so you know writing it down will eliminate that but you've also got a situation where people don't want to do things in a particular way you know they they prefer doing a, a job in a particular way or they prefer cutting a little corner because well it saves me time doesn't it but you know that little corner that they've cut could be the cause of a massive problem for your business further down the line or, or just you know or maybe not a massive problem just a slow degradation in the quality of the service so when you've got these systems written down you know that they're written down the other people in your organization know that they're written down but perhaps most significantly, they know that you know that they know 
they're written down and therefore there's no excuses for not following them after that exactly and I think that's you know is sort of the whole reason why systems come about and you know you can build on them you know but what would actually what would you say are the aspects then of a great system it's all um, I have it written down isn't it but you know yeah I mean the aspects of a great system are that um so, so one of the uh, one of the books that I, um, I often reference is a book called the um, the Toyota Way, and it's all about how um, Toyota, as a company, pretty much destroyed the British car industry by systemizing everything that um, that they did and just making it more and more efficient. And they they were so good at it that lots of other Japanese companies copied them and um, and and. And the British car industry didn't. And, you know, back in the 60s and the 70s, the British car industry was, you know, was pretty big. Nowadays, um, there isn't really a British car industry other than um, foreign companies that um, that build their cars here. So, you know, the, the, the main quality of a really good system is that people that have written it have gone to the place where the work is done. This is a key element of the Toyota way. They've actually, they've not just thought about it in theory, but they've thought about it in practice. So they've actually looked at, you know, what, you can write something down, but it's only when you try to do it that you realize, hang on, that doesn't actually work because I can't do that because I haven't got this bit of information first. And um, therefore, I need to go back and I need to change a, um, an earlier element of the process so that I've got this bit of information so that I can do this later bit. Um, you know, there's, I mean, we have a format for um, how we um, write out a system. Um, and and the, the, the key elements of it are, the first thing is you need just a very clear description of, um, of what it is. I always say that um, any system should begin with a verb. So um, that yeah, if there was a system for today, it'd be recording a podcast with Charlotte. So it begins with a verb, and then you've got to say who's responsible, what the purpose of the system is, um, what triggers it to happen. You know, this happens every every Monday at nine a.m. or this happens when a customer asks you this, and then you just go through the um, the steps in the process, um, and that's where the a really good system somebody's they've gone into the proper detail they've gone to the place where the work is done and they've actually worked it out step by step and then at the end what's next well you know who do you pass it on to and um, where do they go with it yeah and i think that's you know each system has a purpose the role that's taking it on the clear series of steps and what happens next so if you can sort of have all your systems broken down into those sort of four areas. I think that's a good place to start. And actually, um, you, you referenced the Toyota way, but another one, uh, Malcolm, I wanted to touch on was the E-Myth Revisited by Michael Gerber, which I think is pretty much what you've built A4G on. And it explains that the entrepreneurial myth is that people run businesses when, in fact, they simply work in a business that they also own. And if you take them out of the business, it, it pretty much ceases this to exist so why is it important therefore to find system-based solutions to problems and how can that then aid a business being less reliant on its owner yeah absolutely so um so as you sort of um highlighted the e-myth revisited um is you know close to being the bible for a4g really <laughs> you know it's um we we insist that everybody that works at a4g has read the e-myth because they can't really understand our processes without having read it and um 
I mean, I, um, I, I read this back in the 90s and we'd been growing for two or three years and we were doing okay. There's just loads of stupid little things that were going wrong, you know, and um, I just remember apologising to somebody because we'd sent them um, a letter and it said that form blah, blah, blah was in the envelope and, um, and form blah, blah, blah wasn't in the envelope. And so the client rang me up and, um, you know, there, there wasn't, weren't shouting me down the phone or anything, but, um, you know, it, it, it's just weak service really. So I have a bit of a grumble at somebody and then, um, I was just getting fed up with all these silly little things going wrong. And then I spoke to the managing partner of the firm that we were part of at the time. And he just said, oh, these are growing pains. And, and I just dwelled on it for a few weeks really. And in the end, I, um, I just thought, no, I'm not going to accept that because if these are growing pains, then what that implies is that my team will grow into their jobs and we won't have these problems. But what if we grow a bit more? Um, or what if that member of the team leaves and is replaced by um, somebody else? I'm, you know, And I just thought, I'm going to spend my whole career apologising to people for, for a form not being in the envelope. And that's not how I want to spend my career, really. And, and that's when I read the e-myth and... You mentioned about systems-based solutions. So um, what happens in most businesses is that when something goes wrong, there's lots of blame being thrown around. And um, people will put all of their energy into avoiding the blame and pinning the blame on someone else and you know sometimes there's almost a pecking order of who they want to pin it on really you know so the person that they don't like in the organization if they can pin the blame on them that's number one choice and um and you know you, you sort of next somebody that they like but they don't see very often you know um or and, and eventually you know you, you get to the bottom of the list the last person on the list that you want to blame is yourself so all this time and energy has gone into uh, avoiding blame well actually that time and energy should have gone into ensuring that this never happens again mm. and um and, and we say that there are only three reasons something goes wrong by the way this isn't just in your business this happens at a national level right if you just think to you know anything that's gone wrong within you know in the country should we say yeah. you know there, there'll be headlines on the on the newspapers demanding that somebody um is sacked or resigns um over this and you know the, the, the whole thing has been about finding that person to blame, um, whether they're to blame or not. You know, sometimes people resign from a senior position. They had absolutely nothing to do with the thing that went wrong. But you know, we we as a country or perhaps as you know a species, we just require um, there to be a scapegoat. In actual fact, you know, the person that was in charge is possibly the most qualified person in the world to fix the problem and ensure that it doesn't happen again. But, you know, that's that's not how most organisations or, or people work. So the best way to deal with when something's gone wrong or when you've uncovered a problem is to think to yourself that there are only three reasons why something goes wrong. And those reasons are, Somebody didn't understand the system. Somebody um, didn't follow the system. 
or the system wasn't good enough. So if we just examine those um, step by step. So if somebody didn't understand the system, then that just means that you need to give them more training. You know, their training wasn't good enough. Um, they need further training. If somebody didn't follow the system, that means they need a bit of a kick up the backside over this. You need to tell them the consequences to the firm of um, their failure to follow the system. And, you know, maybe they won't care. So, you know, maybe you need to move that on a step and say, these are the consequences to you. If you don't follow this system, then, um, you know, if this happens again, you're going to get a verbal warning. If it happens after that, you're going to get a written warning. Or maybe it's just going to be, you know, if you're not following this system, the standard of your work is down, you're never going to get that promotion or pay rise that you want. Now, of course, when you say those three reasons, that's, um, again, on the whole blame avoidance thing, people immediately jump on the system isn't good enough. But you've got to diagnose the problem properly and really look at the true causes. It can be a combination of those things. You know, it could be that if somebody had followed the system, they would have realised that the system wasn't good enough. You know, so there's two things that have gone wrong there. And you've got to diagnose both um, of those things. That's what systems-based solutions are all about. It's about depersonalizing it, taking the emotion out of it, and just saying it's only three reasons something goes wrong. Let's analyze this problem and identify which ones apply. Yeah, and I think that's really important because, you know, coming down to you know, it comes down to that the people responsible for following those systems also need to know that they're responsible for following those systems, you know, and so what could business owners do next in terms of figuring out how these could be put together in a way that makes someone responsible for them rather than just having them there that they may or may not follow? That's a, that's a really good question, actually. And, and I think, um, you know, if you're listening to this, um, there's, there, there's perhaps a 50-50 chance, maybe less, um, that your staff have got proper job descriptions. So, you know, um, where, where, where an organization has, has a good HR person there, um, you know, they've done the recruitment process or, you know, part of the review process, or whatever, they've, they've put together some, some really good, a really good job description for what somebody does. Now, that's your start point, um, because the job description um, should list all the responsibilities that fall within that person's um, job and um, very often these job descriptions are a bit waffly you know and people are left in a little bit of doubt as to the things that they're actually specifically responsible for mm-hmm. so what um what what we did and we were about two or three years into our whole systems journey when we did this and and we we probably should have done this at the start but we sort of stepped back and said right let's think about all the roles that exist within an accountancy practice. And um, and we we separated those roles into what we call primary roles and multi-roles. So a primary role is where there must only be one person responsible for that particular area. So um, the the reason um, for that is that if if you expect two people to do something, then the reality is that three things can happen. Um, either both of them can do it, in which case that's inefficient. Um, you know, that's cost you money, wasted time. Or nobody does it because they hope or expect that the other person will do it. Um, or if you're lucky, one person does it and the other person doesn't. 
right? Now, you can avoid all of that by just saying, right, you know, this is the responsibility of the personal tax supervisor. So, and you have a role page for the personal tax supervisor, which lists all of those, um, all of those responsibilities. And then, um, and, and there's lots of these little um, primary roles that exist within your organization. The reality of it is that in most small businesses, um, all of those primary roles or most of those primary roles are getting done by the owner manager of that yeah. business and, and they're drowning in all this stuff. So creating a new role, listing the responsibilities, allocating that role to somebody, all in writing, of course. So they, you know, again, they know that you know that they know what's on there um, will pass on um those responsibilities to other people and you know and you've got to train them on those things and you know they've got to be prepared to ask you when they get stuck but um you've moved responsibility the other types of roles the multi-roles are where you've got a pool of work now these are and this is where most of the work's done but actually um it ironically has the least number of roles so you know we have a role called accounts specialist and the job of an account specialist is to to do sets of accounts you know all the sets of accounts that our clients receive will have been prepared by an account specialist now there's only there's a accounts um, supervisor and that person allocates all the jobs to the account specialist so there's only one person responsible for allocating the jobs out but then this pool of work is then shared out between a group of people and um, and again they all do the job in exactly the same way following exactly the same systems Wow. Okay. So to summarize there, we've got primary roles and multi-roles. And I think if business owners, like you say, sit down and, you know, probably they're going to sit down and with the primary role and write down everything that they do, but actually it might allow them to move it across to another role, delegate that and recruit there, which we, I think we talked about um, in a previous podcast, how that they can recruit and take things away from them. And they'll create multi-roles. So, you know, if you're in a factory and, and everyone's building the same piece of furniture, they're all going to be do, building the same, you know, the furniture in the same way following that system. Um, but it would be quite good to touch at this point in, you know, what sort of form systems can take? Because I know we want them as documented written processes, but for some businesses that may not necessarily be practical. So have you maybe got some, you know, tips on what sort of systems it can take? you know, what form systems can take um, so that people have got some ideas of how they, they could start implementing this? Yeah, I mean, I mean, the simplest one is a checklist, you know, um, and, you know, that can be drawn up on an Excel spreadsheet or, you know, just with a ruler and a, a pen and photocopied, you know, it depends on the, the practicalities of it. But, um, you know, the, the simple checklist is, um, is a system and um, it's, you know, if there's 15 different things that you have to do as part of a particular process, that's quite a lot of things to remember, you know, I mean, mm. um, you know, um, if you're, if you're a rugby fan and your team played at the weekend and I said, name the 15 players that played in that rugby team, you probably remember 12, 13, 14 of them. And then you'd be scratching around trying to remember the other one. Well, you, you know, you don't want to be doing that when you're on the job and particularly when you've got to um, do all those steps in order. So, you know, a checklist that ensures that um, all the different steps don't get forgotten is, is crucial. Um, you know, the, the next thing that counts as a system is just setting up um, defaults on some of the um, software programs that you use. So, 
um, you know, a particular type of cost automatically goes in for a particular supplier automatically goes into a particular cost heading. Um, the, um, you know, when you, you know, any decent software program, when you pull up that customer it automatically should fill in the, um, the, the details of the individual that's your contact point at that customer and, and the address or email address or whatever it is. So, you know, sometimes w within the software programs that you've got, there are opportunities to set up um, defaults so that things happen automatically. Um, but, you know, you've also got um, things like just stickers on machines that um, that um, so that when somebody's using it, they automatically, you know, that there's a clear explanation of how they do something. You know, it might be a warning, for example. You know, a warning on a machine is is a system. Um, there might be signs that are on the walls. Um, you know, there might be standard forms that, um, you know, you put by the telephone for when people are answering calls. They're, you know, systems are, are everywhere and um, they're, it can drown in these things, of course. You know, we've all been into businesses where there's stickers and notes and God knows what all over the um, the walls and, and it all needs a little bit of tidying up. But um, when um, when you start reading the E-Myth and the Toyota Way and a couple of other books that we recommend, Black Box Thinking, um, a fantastic one by um, by Matthew Syed, um, then you, you start thinking about, what little tweaks and changes can I make to build systems into our every way, everyday way of doing things that will make our operation slicker and stop things going wrong? Yeah, and I think a touching on what things going wrong, you know, one of those is that, you know, we actually need to train people on these roles and the systems within them so that they understand <clears throat> what their responsibilities are, really. You know, so how do business owners go about doing that? Because... You know, one of those things is they, 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 you know, someone starts on day one and you train them on that role and then it never gets touched on or looked at. You know, what what can business owners do about training them initially and also continuing that? Yeah, continuing well, that? Um, so, the you know, the, the thing is you've got to start with yourself, really, because um, there are a lot of people that are, you know, um, do as I say, not as I do. And um, if... You know, if you're going to rely on somebody else to do your training um, for your organisation, then um, I think you need to train them on how you want them to do the training. You know, so your start point is to write a system for your trainer and say, this is what I want you to do in training the members of staff. Now, you know, if they're an experienced person and they come with their own ideas, they'll, they'll hopefully bring those ideas into your process. So what you end up with is you've got you've got the best of both worlds. You've not got your system or their system. You've got your combined system. You know, and you might have debate about some of those things, but get that person up and running um, with, you know, with their own system for doing the training. And then um, and then they will then train the members of staff on whatever it is um, that you do. But the, the critical thing is you've got to train on the system. You know, there's, there's um, um, I've forgotten the international standard, but, you know, there, there's a lot of the businesses that have, have got the kite mark for systems and processes. But all that means is that they've just documented everything and it's in a file that, you know, that doesn't actually mean that they're really thinking about um, how it can be improved or um, or even whether it's actually being operated properly. So um, the 
you know, that the systems and what's actually happening have got to evolve together. You know, there's no point having a, well, that's the systems manual, but this is how we really do it. You know, <laughs> immediately you do that, you completely undermine everything that is in the documented system. Yeah, definitely. And I think if, even if you've got good systems in place and you've ensured people know that they're responsible for following them and are trained on them, is there anything else that can really go wrong? Or have we covered well, all bases? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I mean... Um, I mean, there's, there's there's a million and one things that can go wrong. So, I mean, the first thing is that, you know, to remember is that um, you can't systemize everything, right? Mm -hmm. Now, you know, that almost seems to go against what I've just said, but but it doesn't, right? There, there will be situations that will arise within your business that are completely unforeseen and, um, you know, never happened before in your business, have never happened before in any other um, business. And people will need to use their initiative in that situation. But what um, what you don't want to be doing is ha requiring people to use their initiative in every situation. You want the business to run, um, you know, smoothly on at least 90% of the things that it does with people following a process and doing the thing in the way that they've been trained. And because all of that stuff is running smoothly and they don't have to um, think too much about those things. They've got the time and the energy to think about the stuff that can't be systemized. You know, you, you can you can systemize the start of a conversation with a customer, you know, asking them about, um, you know, when they've ordered a burger, do you want to go large with that? Um, but the conversation beyond that point can't really be systemized because they could say anything to you. Mm -hmm. um, so um, that's where you want them using their initiative. And if people are just um, drowning in or exhausted by just having to deal with one little problem after another because nothing runs smoothly, they won't have time to engage with your customers. They won't have time to, to just, you know, add a personal touch to the relationship um, with your customers. So, um, so, you know, that, that's the first thing is to just to remember, you know, you systemize the 90% so you can humanize the 10%. But the point is when a situation comes up, which is not totally unique or could well happen again, or perhaps is so significant that um, you must ensure that it never happens again. That's when you tweak the systems. And again, it's, you know, it's a constant journey. You're never going to get this perfect people will change, technology will change, the weather will change. Um, you know, all of these things need to be um, need to be built into your system through a process of learning and not blame. Brilliant. Well, Malcolm, I do just want to just touch on, um, you know, you've <coughs> built up your business over the last 26 years using systems as the backbone for your growth. You have already touched on slightly about where you started with building them, but can you just share with us, you know, how you know, a bit more how you did that and how do you continue to build systems for A4G? How do we continue to build um, yep. systems for A4G? Um, yeah, I mean, we've got the infrastructure there. Um, you know, I do find sometimes, you know, if you've left, sometimes you leave um, a role with a particular person and, and it feels like the system degrades. You know, they start not doing a few things or um, changing a few things without, you know, a bit thoughtlessly really. So, you know, that part's, that part's just just 
just part of the journey. You know, occasionally we've got to reinvent an area of our business and revisit the roles and, um, and you know, um, redefine them. Um, the, the, big thing, the big thing for us in the last few years has been to walk through processes. So, um, you know, everything is connected to something else. So, um, for example, you know, we've, we've done a huge amount of work on our bookkeeping systems. You know, historically, we weren't really a bookkeeping business. We were accounts business and, you know, we relied on other self-employed bookkeepers. But, you know, increasingly clients wanted our help on that. So um, so we've done massive amounts of work on our um, our bookkeeping processes. Um, but the journey for the bookkeeping um, process begins before the bookkeeping process you know it begins with a, a client manager doing a client care program for a new business a new um client that we've signed up and when they look at the accounting records you know they realize that actually the accounting records are pretty shoddy and they talk to the owner and the owner says well i just don't get enough time to do it and okay so they then offer the um our, the bookkeeping service as well and, and at that point, they need to take some information so that they can bring that back to one of the bookkeeping team who can put a price together. And then and then, and then, then it's now in the bookkeeping business. So they do the price, they do the proposal, hopefully we sign up the client. You work right the way through, all the way through until, you know, we've done 12 months, four quarters, whatever it is, get to the end. Now we need a little process at the end for um just closing off the year end um we just recently changed that so we send some reports to our clients just to so that you know even if they haven't looked at anything during the course of the year they look at these figures um at the end of the year before we then pass the job to a member of the accounts team to prepare the end of year accounts and so you know that and, and we've walked that right the way through from um all the ways that initiate um a piece of bookkeeping work and out the other side into the end of year accounts preparation which then leads on to the end of year tax preparation which then leads on to doing the bill you know every step um follows another step um and it's that it's that walking through that is the um is the key thing for us to make sure everything fits together yeah. And I think it's a good opportunity to like reevaluate things. You know, you know, if we if we are talking to any listeners who have had systems in place for a while, actually having a walkthrough might refresh them and think, actually, we we don't do things quite like we first wrote them down to do. You know, like you say, things change. Absolutely. But we probably haven't rethought how that system flows. And yeah. that's why things are going wrong. Um, or maybe not even going wrong, but maybe you're just doing a walkthrough or preempt it going wrong. Right. Um you know, could well, you... well, Charlotte, this is um, you know, this is where there's 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 a few TV shows in there, you know, where they send they'll get like the um, the managing director, CEO, or whatever, and they'll send them back to the floor, you know, often in disguise, you know, um, putting pallets on um, trucks or whatever, or you know, serving in one of the shops, and um, and they, you know, the own not the owner necessarily, but you know, the the managing director suddenly sort of realizes how far out of touch and removed they are from the um from the day-to-day -day reality of things you know and they you know they see that they've got loads and loads of stock that um, a particular item that they're never going to sell and um you know and they didn't necessarily see that from these monthly reports that they were getting from the finance team you know and um as you know you get a distant head office suddenly um the all, all the different aspects of the business have just 
they're just disconnected. And yeah, that walkthrough um, by by you know whoever it is is massively important. Um, just just an aside. In, interestingly, when um, one of the ladies that um, worked for me in the early years, who um, worked for me um, sort of into her seventies, um, when we sort of were were working hard with our systems, she said something really interesting. She said, "Well, none of this is new, Malcolm." She said. Back in the day, we used to have the time and motion man with his bowler hat and his um, and his clipboard, and, um, and I just had a little chuckle to myself because I that was because of I mean it's before my time, but um, but yeah, you know, back when when you know most people worked in factories, there would be a guy who would have his clipboard and presumably bowler hat, and he'd walk around, he'd do that walkthrough test, and he'd just see whether this bit of the production line, how the you know. The thing that came off the end was transported to the next um, step. Um, so you know, none of this is new, um, but yeah, you know, I, I, I don't think business-wise, most businesses are, are no better at it um, now than, than 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 their peers were 50, 60 years ago. In in most cases, they got better software, and you know, there's better IT systems that force people to do things in certain ways, but um, it's still a big weakness amongst most business owners. Yeah. Um, well, can you maybe perhaps give our listeners a few examples that they could perhaps learn from in terms of maybe some of the things that you've got right over the years and maybe perhaps the things that you've got wrong? Yeah, I've got, um, yeah, I mean, one of them is sort of a, um, is, is a business one and, and one of them's, although it was uh, to do with work, it's sort of a personal one really. So, mm-hmm. um we, uh, I, remember, I remember about 20 years ago, we, um, uh, many of our clients have paid an insurance premium for uh, um, tax inquiries. And our institute um, actually told us, um, all firms, that we had to offer this to our clients because if we didn't offer it, we'd be negligent. So, you know, we, we shopped around for the best policy and I put one of the most senior members of my team um at the time long gone i hasten to add in charge of organizing this and it was an absolute shambles and um just caused massive headaches you know all sorts of things hadn't been um, thought through and um and we learned from that and um there was a there was a little software um program that we found that um um, which helped clients do their own HR paperwork, and um, and um, we really liked this, and we used it ourselves. And um, they did a deal that you know we could sell that on to our clients. And instead of just putting it in someone's hands, I said, right, we are going to write the systems for this first. Um, and we went through every single step. So we we set out the system for how we were going to send the mail shot. Even before that, you know, how we were going to extract the data so that we were sending it to the right people, um, what we were going to put on the mail shot, how we were going to follow that up, how we were going to record the phone calls, what we were going to do when somebody signed up. We documented the whole thing. So when the lady um, that did it started doing it, um, it you know, the, the system wasn't perfect, right? There were all sorts of little things that we hadn't anticipated, but we had a system in the first place. And um, and that meant that um, 
the little things that weren't quite right were little things um and it, it just went so um so efficiently um it was a real shame they stopped um the, the software company went out of business and or i think they got I think they sold up to somebody else or sold the product and they stopped using it but um which is really annoying because we had a like i said we had a fantastic little um way of um of selling that on um but you know so that that's um the first way is the you know throw it at the wall and hope it sticks method um which is normally very very messy and um you know and the second way is the, the professional way you know and it's how you'll avoid upsetting your clients um so that's that's a sort of uh you know that the, the the first draft of the system is the plan that's the important thing to remember you know if you're doing anything for the first time and you're going to a you know country that you were going to go backpacking around i'm pretty sure you'd have a plan but yeah in business people just seem to think they can just chuck themselves into something and hope it will all work so the um the first draft of the system is the plan so that's the first thing I'd um, say. Second thing I'd say is that um, the um, complacency um, over how things are done is, um, is the biggest threat to a well-systemized practice. And the best example I can give of that is, and it, back to that lady that I mentioned, that, that older member of staff, because when I took over the practice back in the mid-90s, I was going to um, visit um a client in east london uh, still a client today lovely people been up there loads of times um i could almost drive up there with my eyes closed but it was quite a fiddly little journey and um and and my uh, member of staff betty she um she wrote me a set of instructions that were perfect you know this is pre-sat nav and um, <laughs> she wrote me the set of instructions and it had um, you know, it, it said, and as you drive along here, there will be this shop and you'll see a church with a big spire turn right just before the church. It's brilliant, right? And there I am, this really fiddly journey. I'm at the client's premises on time. The second time I went, I thought I knew where I was going. <laughs> I didn't take the instructions. And of course, I missed one of the critical turnings. I got hideously lost in East London. Um, and um, and we, you know, people of my age um, will have all bought several um, London A to Zs because um, there's never one in the car when you need it. So you have to find a news agent and buy an A to Z and then try and work your way back. And I could have absolutely kick myself. It's like I had this perfect system, but I thought I knew better. Um, and that's the biggest danger that you've got in your organisation. That's how drift happens um you know you write the system and then somebody thinks ah i don't need to follow it i know what i'm doing and the reality is no people you know people forget you know so um the just ensuring that the people are still following it policing that constantly reminding people is um you know is a key element as well charlotte Brilliant. And I think I think just to summarise then, you know, some of our listeners are thinking, you know, they might be thinking, you know, I doubt I even have one written system documented within our business at all. This sounds maybe like a lot of work, but, you know, I would tend to disagree, and I'm sure you would too, Malcolm, that if they actually thought really hard, I bet they could find something, you know, like we mentioned before, a sticker on machine or a tacked up note in the staff kitchen saying the last person to fill the dishwasher that day has to put it on. Sorry for my dishwasher examples today. Um, but, you know, Malcolm, do you have any 
practical tips of where someone could just begin to start their journey into documenting their business processes if they feel like they're in that position? Yeah, I think there's I think there's two ways of starting. And I think um, if I outline both of them, then at this moment in time, you will probably know which of the two is the right place to start for you. So in an ideal world, um, I would start by documenting the roles, by sitting down and mapping out all the different roles that exist in your organisation. And you've got to, be, got to be very careful to not, equate a role with a person so you you know you may have somebody who's you know bob and his job is ops manager but the reality is that ops manager is actually just his job title right his his roles are his transport manager he's also premises manager and he's also health and safety supervisor right and and we've you know put all those into one title called ops manager but they're three very distinct roles by breaking them down that means that if if the company grows and uh, you know and bob's workload is expanding you can say well tell you what bob the health and safety role we're going to give that to somebody else now and and it's seamless you know you just take one role away from him and um and and, and give it to somebody else in our organisation, most people got sort of four or five roles, and often, so you know, their progression through the firm is, is step by step. You know, they sort of drop one of the easier roles and they take on a harder role. You know, and um, and that that's how they progress through the firm. But that's your ideal start point is to document these roles, and you may want to start with the role which is the biggest problem in the organisation. Um, and you know in terms of getting the detail on there so so that's you know that that that's where i would start and where i should have started where i actually started um was to start writing some systems for things that went wrong and you know it might be that you've got something critical in your organization that has gone wrong yesterday could go wrong again today could cost you know you lots of money could cost you um, customers, members of staff, you know, worse, even worse, you know, that, that if you're um, in an industry where there's an element of danger or something, you know, so it may be that you need to start with a particular system that there's an urgency. Now, um, the reason that um, in a perfect world, that's not the best place to start is because even if you get that system right, if people don't know they are responsible for following it, then it's not going to get followed. So, um, you know, you, and you might find that what you end up with is just a whole collection of loads of different systems that are all well documented, but people didn't actually know they were responsible for it. So they didn't get done anyway. Um, so it's perhaps it's a mix of those two things, really, getting the roles in place whilst also starting to document the, the critical systems. Brilliant. That's fantastic, Malcolm. Is there anything else you'd like to add? Because I think we've covered pretty pretty much everything today. <laughs> I mean, give me another five or six hours on this podcast <laughs> and, and and I still won't have um, finished. No, I mean, you know, those books that I mentioned, um, the E-Myth Revisited, um, you know, we by Michael Gerber, Black Box Thinking. Um, I mean, if you read Black Box Thinking, you'll never be frightened of um, flying again, but you will be terrified of going to hospital. Um, spoiler alert there. Um, <laughs> And, you know, and if you really want to 
um, get into this stuff, the Toyota way, although that's, you know, that's quite, it's a lot more technical. Um, those, um, you know, those are, those are good sources of reading. And, you know, all these things are available on Audible. So you can, um, you can listen to them in the car if, uh, if you haven't got time to read uh, books or, you know, reading books isn't your thing. So, yeah, that would, that would be my advice. And, you know, and perhaps once you've read one or more of those books, just re-listen to this podcast. You know, some of the thing is that when you, you know, when you listen to stuff or you read stuff, you can only equate it back to, to where you are now with your business. You know, I read the E-Myth twice, about five, six years apart. There was stuff in there I didn't remember from the first time, but it was because it wasn't really that relevant to me when I first read it. But the second time, it was massively relevant. And um, so, you know, just, just, just sort of keep revisiting the learning and, you know, that's how you make your business grow. Yeah. Brilliant. And I'm sure they can come and chat to you, Malcolm, if they want another five, six hours of a chat, chat or advice about it. Um, I'm not sure I've got time for five (laughs) or six hours per person, but, you know. Yeah, we do another podcast. It's fine. If there's another, oh. is there interest? Yeah, um, and I'll, what I'll do is I'll um, I'll put those uh, those books for anyone else that wants to just have a reminder. I'll put them on the, our podcast details so you can catch them online on our social media. But thank you very much for joining us today, Malcolm. Thank you. Well, this now concludes our final episode in our 12 Vital Ingredients to a Successful Business series. So over the next couple of weeks, we'll be bringing you some of the hot topics brought to us by our clients, listeners and loyal followers. So if you have any burning business questions which you want answered, please email them over to inquiries at a4g-llp.co.uk. And in the meantime, head to our social media at A4G Chartered Accountants or alternatively check out our website at www.a4g-llp.co.uk, which is full of free tools, guidance and plenty of food for thought to help your business start up the right way and beyond especially with our range of breakthrough services so i've been your host charlotte and this is let's get down to business